Amen. All right, guys, today, your preacher's always a little bit late, but what I wanted to do a little bit was revisit the idea of the dignity and the sanctity of every human life. And so we try to visit this in January. I think probably many of you, if you were on social media or watching the news at all, you would have seen a lot of the pro-life rallies and things like that. But what I wanted to emphasize, and we did this about, I don't know, maybe almost two, two and a half years ago, um, a lot of people will say, well, the church always talks about abortion, but they don't talk about the rest of life. And so we did a whole series uh, that was about, not just about abortion, but it was about all the other uh, needs of life that show the sanctity and the dignity of life. So some of those things were nursing homes. You guys remember some of the statistics about that, right? Uh, over 80% of people in nursing homes don't have a visit from one of their family members once in a year. 80%. Do you think there's an opportunity there to speak to the dignity of life, right? We talked about the jail. If you guys, I should have mentioned this earlier, we'll be starting jail ministry tomorrow night. My team up in uh, Noblesville, Hamilton County, uh, we go for six weeks and do an alpha program there. If you would be with, pray for us as we go in and try to work with the guys in the jail, do, are there souls there that matter in the jail? Man, you guys, they were so receptive, and they're just like we are. They just got caught. That's the difference. Seriously. Uh, we all sin. If we got caught at the right time, we could be in, in just a bad circumstance. Again, in sanctity and dignity of life. Uh, sometimes we put people as us and them, and we like to categorize people. If you guys have seen the stuff on the border in the last few years and the whole debates of refugees and immigrants and stuff, we spent time talking about that. And again, seeing people as people and as souls uh, so that we could uplift our creator. So when we talk about dignity and sanctity of life, we are not just talking about abortion. And the reason I'm holding this book up here is because this book was so challenging to me. And we went through this book for about eight weeks. And I'll leave it back on the table. If anybody wants to take it with you today, you can take it and use it and read it. If somebody else wants a copy, let me know. I will buy you a copy, okay? But it is a great reminder of all the different types of areas of life that we need to recognize the value of human life. So today, what we're going to revisit, and we did this a few years ago, but we're going to revisit this idea of special needs. And I'm going to give you a brief update on pro-life and on some statistics so that you can just stay current with that. I don't ever want that to be something that we just skip over. But our focus this morning is going to be about special needs people. And so some of the common things we think of maybe are Down syndrome or autism, but there's all different kinds of special needs, right? And what I want you to think about today is embracing people with special needs as people and really loving them and reaching out to them, valuing them, seeing them for who they are, for who God made them to be, and let that be a witness of the love of Christ in you, okay? So we're going to work through that just a little bit this morning. If we would, let's go to 1 Corinthians first. We're going to start there, 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 29 to get started. And if, if you don't remember, the whole bottom line was that if we can see Jesus in people and then treat those people like we would treat Jesus, we would treat them in the right way. And that's what we want to think about today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 27, the Word of God says this, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. All right. 
Again, when you least expect it, God uses the most unexpected people to do the most amazing things, okay? Leviticus chapter 19, verse 14. I want to just switch over there just briefly. Leviticus 19, 14. The word of God says, Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do you see how those things are tied together this morning, right? Reverence and fear for the Lord means also respect and kindness to the deaf and to the blind, to those with special needs. So today, I hope the Lord will speak to our hearts again, remind us how important it is to understand these things. I want to give you just a brief update again on uh, the pro-life, some of those ideas, some of those statistics. And there's some encouraging news, but there's still so much work to be done. Uh, this is from an AP uh, news article, September 18th of this year, so not, or of 2019, excuse me, so just a, a few months ago. Uh, the article mentions that the number and the rate of abortions across the U.S. have plunged to their lowest levels since the procedure became legal nationwide in 1973, according to new figures released. The report from the Guttmacher Institute, a research group that supports abortion rights, counted 862,000 abortions in the U.S. in 2017. That's down from 926 uh, tallied in the previous report for 2014 and from just more than 1 million counted in 2011. Now, this morning I would tell you this. While I am very thankful that abortion numbers are going down, and I'm so grateful for that, there's a lot of work to do. And let me remind you this by looking at this statistic. The number of abortions in 2017 was 862,000. What's the current population of Indianapolis? Does that hit you like that hits me? Look how close those numbers are. This is where we live and breathe, Indianapolis, Indiana. Current population of Indianapolis, Indiana is 867,000 people. And in 2017, the last full statistic that we have, we'll have new ones later this year, the number of abortions was 862,000 people. Basically, we are wiping out a city the size of Indianapolis every year in the United States alone with abortion. You guys, we need to make a stand. Now, the thing is, we have been making a stand, and I think you're seeing a difference because of that. And it's not just people shouting out and speaking out loud. It's people who are in clinics. It's people who are loving young mothers in need. It's people who are providing and taking care and providing options for adoption. And it's people who are doing aftercare for those who have had abortions, okay? And reaching into their lives, helping them find forgiveness and so that it doesn't happen again. All of those numbers going down is an awesome, wonderful thing. But this number, I'm going to tell you this morning, it breaks your preacher's heart, and it needs to change. Our ideal number is zero, amen? And so we want to live in a way that those things happen. Let me give you just these quotes are from abort73.com, something for you to, to think about this morning, and then we're going to switch back into the idea of making sure that we are not just focused on abortion, but on all the areas of life, and we're going to look at special needs. But just briefly, a few uh, quotes here from Abort 73, I think that challenged me might challenge you. Abortion is an act of violence that kills an innocent human being, and anybody who sells, who says differently is selling something. On average, more than 2,300 human beings are killed by abortion each day in the United States. Look at this. Most of the victims weigh less than an ounce, and virtually all of them have a beating heart. All right. So if it's virtually all, let's say, even 700,000 beating hearts are extinguished 
you know, our country, this is just our country. This is not around the world. This is in the United States, and this is every year, right? Again, Lord help us, right? Now think about this for a second. Again, think of our country, what we're founded on, who we are. In the name of freedom, abortion kills the smallest and the weakest members of the human community. We are about freedom, amen? And we are so thankful for our freedom that has been bought for us by Jesus and in our country by our soldiers and what they've done for us, amen? We stand for freedom, but what has happened here is that abuse of freedom has cost many little human beings their life. And the last thing that I think really challenged me was this. For people who are so today are talking always about tolerance and inclusion, abortion is neither tolerant nor inclusive. All right? You let those things sink in your heart. And again, I'm not telling you to go and wave a banner or shake a sign at anybody. I'm telling you to love the people in your world. And when you have the opportunity for conversations, here are some things that you might help people think about. All right? We are about inclusion. We want everybody to feel at home. Why are we not defending those who have no defense? Amen. Lord, help us, okay? You guys take this in your heart prayerfully. Again, uh, one of the signs I think I saw this week was it, it listed all the different <laughs> values of life. It wasn't just about the unborn, but it was about the immigrant. It was about those on death row. It was about those all who were hurting. We, if anybody should be caring about souls through their whole stage of life, it should be the church. And so today, we are going to keep that in mind. We are going to look towards uh, people that sometimes get overlooked, those with special needs. Here's a quote for you from uh, the Dignity and Sanctity of Every Life book that I just held up there this morning. It says, in a world that celebrates glamour, status, and performance, God's heart is for those who are overlooked and deemed unworthy. Seeing every human being as beautiful and valuable and precious, this is what it means to be pro-life. Amen? All right. It's not just the unborn, but it is the unborn. But being pro-life is those that, in a world that celebrates all of the Hollywood and all of the athletes, and that's where all of our money goes and is given, God says those that are overlooked and deemed unworthy, those foolish things, he uses them to confound the wise. Praise the Lord. We need to look to the heart of every person and not miss the soul inside of a human being. Let them know that God loves them, even as he has loved us. Disability is a reminder that we live in a sin-broken world. Not that a person necessarily has a disability because of their own sin or their parents' sin or even Adam's sin, but more than that, it is a reminder to us of our own brokenness and our need for redemption. Avoiding people with disabilities and their families allows us to perpetuate the illusion that we are in control. Have you done that before? Well, I, if I stay in this sector and go in my lane, then I know that I can take care of things and I'll be in control. And that happens to other people, but not to me. <laughs> well, let the Lord use the people in your life to remind you to depend upon him. Did you know that over 400,000 people in the United States have Down syndrome and only 1% is hereditary? Think about that for a second. 400,000 people in the U.S. have Down syndrome. Only 1% is heredity. 99% is still a mystery to science, and the cause is unknown. Here's another little quote for you this morning. Alice and Tony approached the stroller of a young mother, and Tony peered into the stroller, and he looked at the baby and exclaimed, Mom, come look. Isn't this the cutest baby? Smile, baby. 
And Alice smiled and made cooing noises at the baby as well. And then she looked up at the mother and saw tears streaming down her face. The mother said through her tears, this has never happened before. All everyone ever sees is his disability. And the baby did indeed have a significant disability. But Tony, who also has Down syndrome, only saw a beautiful baby. Right? Through the eyes of a child, through the faith of a child. Lord, help us to love like little Tony loved. Do you define people by their disabilities or by their God-given gifts? Have you guys ever heard of David Ring? I know Brother Rick has. Anybody else ever heard of David Ring? He has cerebral palsy. (laughs) And he says, I have cerebral palsy. And he's a preacher and an evangelist. He says, what's your excuse? He could be defined by his disability or he could be defined by his God-given gifts that he uses for the Lord's glory. Today, I would encourage you to see people for their God-given gifts rather than seeing them for their disabilities. Look again with me back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. This is NIV here. Let this speak to your heart again. Let it be a little different way. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, and he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Can I challenge you this morning? God doesn't need your ability. Do you ever feel like God needs your ability? Well, the Lord can really use me. Uh, I have no ability in home construction, okay? They're even around here, you guys are scared for me to be on the lawnmower. I know that you are. <laughs> With right, rightfully so, okay? Those are not my abilities, Okay. Maybe a computer every now and then I can touch. I'm I'm all right with there occasionally, all right? But the other stuff, not so much. What does God demand of us? What does he want of us? Not our ability, but our availability, right? And that's what makes this one of the most beautiful congregations ever because we have people that their main gift is not necessarily leading worship or their main gift is not necessarily teaching or their main gift is not necessarily fixing and working on a building Their main gift is not even evangelism, but what do all of these people in this wonderful congregation do? They give themselves to the Lord. Lord, you take what I am and you use it. And that's what God is looking for, all right? Be careful when you look at someone just for the ability you think they have and how that could be used. Look for the availability of someone, right? When someone says they're willing to go and serve the Lord, take them up on that. It is amazing how God has used people over the years. And time and time again, he uses flawed people to accomplish his purposes, and he uses weak people to do very strong things. I would say it this way this morning, God loves the underdog. Amen? (laughs) And if you're an underdog today, you are a prime candidate to be used by the Lord for his glory. Exactly. Uh Uh-oh is right, isn't it? Wait a minute. I view myself, I don't have much. I don't think I can do much. Guess what? You are the person that God would love to do something great with because then who gets the credit? He does, right? So today, be encouraged in that. When you think, oh, I don't know. I don't think I can. Guess what? That's when God can do some amazing things, right? He takes that week and does something amazing. In our nation, in our culture, we strive for power and wealth and fame built on our own ability and our ambition, 
But people with special needs remind us that God uses the weak to confound the strong. Let me give you another, just a brief story here. Successful NFL and college football coach Gene Stallings' son, Johnny, was born with Down syndrome, and doctors said he would only live a year or two. He lived 46 years. (laughs) And Gene Stallings said that when he was younger, he said, I prayed to God that he would change Johnny, that he would make him right. But you know what God did? God changed me. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? Lord, I want you to make this right. I want you to fix this. And what God did is he put that person in my life to change me. You guys, if there's people with special needs in your life, maybe God has put them there, not for you to be, oh, they need help, they need to be fixed and corrected, but maybe that God is going to change and fix and correct you as you love them like Jesus has loved you. Very specifically in the passage we have looked at, God has used uh, the cross and the preaching of the cross to deliver people. It's a huge weakness in the eyes of most people. Most people see the church and Christianity as crutches, don't they, right? You mean that you're telling me that God came to earth and then he was born as a, a baby of a poor couple and, and in this like stable setting and his dad was a carpenter? Why wouldn't he be born in a palace? Why wouldn't he be born as a king if he's God? And then you're saying that this king, that even though he had all the power, that he could walk on water, he could heal the blind, he could raise the dead, that he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross and have a crown of thorns placed upon him? Where's his power? How could someone so weak do anything? God loves the underdog, right? He loves to show himself in weak things. And this reminder stands out so clear again today. The gospel calls us to recognize our weakness and our dependency upon the cross. You guys know this upside down, right? We cannot earn our way to heaven. No amount or fame of fortune will buy a ticket to paradise. The only way to God is through repentance and forgiveness granted by the Lord. In our society and personally, I push away at weakness, right? I don't want you to see my weak side. I mean, your preacher even gets a little embarrassed when he messes up on the piano or playing the guitar. It's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. (laughs) Push away at failure, push away at weakness. We don't really want to embrace it. But recognizing weakness is exactly what we need. If we want to boast, who should we boast in? The Lord, right? Boast in the Lord. Now, some challenges I want you to think about this morning is maybe we can support those in our families and the families around us who have special needs. One of the first ideas this morning is the idea of justice. Holding down someone through what is not done uh, can be an injustice. For example, the access ramp that isn't there. We thought about that? The Sunday school class that doesn't adapt for special needs the youth leader that may not move toward a student with autism, right? You guys, we have still a lot of areas. Again, we're small, so we have to work harder in these areas, but can we embrace a deaf person today if they come into our congregation? Do we have a way to meet their needs, right? A person who has difficulty hearing or understanding, how can we connect with them? We need to pursue these things. We need to look for these opportunities, and we need to love people by taking care of some of these issues. Not only injustice, but also mercy. Mercy provides respite care to tired parents with special needs. A lady I work with, uh, Miss Jackie at work, she's just an incredible person. And she has uh, triplets. Two of the girls were on the Noblesville soccer team that won the state championship this year. And one of those girls, I think, has a scholarship to UT in Tennessee to play soccer down there. I mean, they beat Carmel. They won this. I mean, they are amazing. 
The third triplet is a special needs daughter. And Miss Jackie loves this girl with all her heart and her soul and everything, but she gets tired because <laughs> she has to take care of her in a special way every day, and it's always there the rest of her life. And so I have to think in my heart, what can I do to even provide a little bit of break, a little bit of relief, a little bit of encouragement to someone in my life who has done the most amazing thing, and that is who is raising this child who's going to have needs for the rest of her life. You guys have people like that in your life as well today, right? Amen? So how can we support them? That's what I want to think about today. Faithfulness. Faithfulness intentionally stays with the family whose wage earner has become a quadriplegic through rehab or home renovation, through relentless dailiness of all the irreversible changes that such dramatic loss of function brings to every member of the family. How can we be persistent in our love? It walks along someone for the journey beside the family of a child with disabilities over the span of a lifetime, from diagnosis to early intervention to schooling to the transition to adult living to the aging of the parents to the passing of the caregiver uh, to the extended family and eventually to the death of the individual it's not an event that's tough isn't it right it's not a i did one thing at one time for one person and that is good but what we need to see here is this is a lifetime commitment and so as the lord brings people like this into our life we need to ask for his ability to help sustain them Disability ministry isn't a program, it is a relationship. Do you hear that today? This is not a plan, this is not seven steps, this is not an event-oriented thing, this is a relationship with a person who is hurting. Look with me, if you would, briefly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22. I love this, this is how God works. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? indispensable. (laughs) And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's so good, right? From the weakest, from the most humble, from the person with the greatest needs, they're part of the same body. Have any of you, anybody ever had a really bad toothache? Last summer, after I came back from India, I had to have a root canal. I think it was number 31. How I can even forget the number? I don't know how bad that was. I should never forget the number. Did you know your teeth are all numbered? Donna could probably tell us all the numbers, couldn't you, Donna? Right? <laughs> and so... I, uh, early on, I was like, oh, that just kind of, it's kind of throbbing, but it's kind of, okay, it's, it'll be okay. Surely it'll go away in a little bit, right? And then I would eat a little bit more. It seemed like when I would eat, it would actually feel better. And then after I ate, it would hurt. And I love little hot pepper flakes. Anybody else like hot pepper flakes? And I put them on my pizza and put them on stuff. And one day I took a bite of one of those hot pepper flakes and my whole body suffered along with my tooth. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? It's like, whoa! My wife was like, what is going on with you? You're a mess. And that's because when that one part of the body really hurt, guess what? Everybody hurt. You guys, that's how the church should be. Even today, some of you here have shared from your heart some hurt. And our church should feel a little bit of that hurt, shouldn't we, right? Oh, man. 
You're hurting. I hurt too. I want to love you. What can I do to help you and encourage you? And the same is true for rejoicing, right? Megan is almost done with her journey. So hopefully we can rejoice with her. She's almost ready. Megan up here that was singing today, she's about to graduate. We ought to celebrate, right? It's been a journey for her, and now she's finishing and completing. Praise the Lord. And when she's happy, then that'll be something we should be happy with. And it doesn't matter the disability or the strength of the person. The body needs to see that we're all important, that we all matter. If we are the body, we need to make sure we are suffering and rejoicing together with all of our parts. Now today, the illustrations I've given are mostly from Down syndrome. They've highlighted that. But working with special needs means working with people with disabilities of all kinds. It may be physical limitations or someone who is deaf or blind. It may be working with someone who has autism or even other types of mental health issues. Our job is not to condescend and say, oh, that poor little one, but to love them as family, to love them even as Jesus loved us in our own weakness. Now, we should understand that the world still values the same things, wisdom and money and power. The weak and the poor and the unlearned are the refuse of society, yet they are the instruments of God to demonstrate his power in our lives. We should make it a priority to minister to the weak and the poor of our community. Are you hearing that today? And I know that you do. Thank the Lord, right? The Lord gives us an opportunity once a month, and it's a very simple thing, and I don't mean to lift it up more than it is, but we make bags of food and we take them downtown to people that a lot of people would rather just forget. They'd rather clean up the streets and rather hide them away and make sure that when people come to Indianapolis, nobody sees those people. But they are souls, aren't they, right? They are people to be loved and to be prayed with and to be cared for and to be encouraged. And so as a church, that's what we've chosen to do. You as an individual, you need to decide, how can I help the poor and the weak that are in my world? All right, one last illustration will be done today. It's from Steve Brown. He says, so when I'm on my deathbed, ask me about marriage and family, and I might have something important to say. Even then, before you tell anybody, wait until I've been dead for at least 25 years before you chisel anything I say on the subject in concrete. It is dangerous to have a hero who is still alive, but frankly, it's dangerous to have a hero who is dead too. I've given up reading puff biographies of famous Christians. When I've taken the time to do the research, I found out that those kind of biographies have done Christians a great disservice. They have created non-existent people whose example doesn't inspire excellence, only despair. Each time one of my heroes fell off the pedestal, I was devastated until I realized that God was teaching me something important. He uses sinful and flawed human beings because they are the only kind of human beings that he has. <laughs> Amen. Whatever you think about the Bible, it certainly doesn't contain puff biographies. In fact, God has been very careful to allow us to see the greatness and the smallness of Bible characters. Throughout the Bible, we encounter heroes of faith who have major flaws, serious sin, and embarrassing failures. Adam and Eve messed it all up when they, for themselves and for the rest of us. Noah was a drunk. Abraham offered his wife in return for his own safety. Sarah offered her female servant to Abraham so Abraham could have a son. Jacob was a con artist. Moses was a murderer. David, an adulterer. Jeremiah was a big-time failure. Rahab, the prostitute, was a relative of Jesus. Paul was contentious, and Peter was a hypocrite. And those are our heroes. However, while the Bible is the story of flawed human beings, it is also the story of how God uses those flawed human beings in some exceptional ways. 
The bad news is that sinful human beings are sinful and human. But the good news is that human beings sometimes do things that are beyond what would, one would expect. And again, Paul reminds us of this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. We have this treasure, that is this love of God, the Son of God, Jesus, in jars of clay, this human flesh, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Hold on to these verses today. These are very good. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Amen? We are perplexed, maybe confused a little sometimes, but not in despair. We are persecuted. I think of Hananiah and Sindhu and I.D. today, but we are not abandoned. We have been struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Hear me out today. God isn't interested in great people because there aren't any. (laughs) He is interested in available people. Don't tell him how fortunate he is to have you. It'll just make him laugh. Tell him that you are available and watch what wonderful and surprising things he will do with your life. Look to see Christ in everyone you meet. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Again, as, as is our custom today, um, we're going to have just a little time of prayer here. I'll go to the back of the piano and play. You can pray there in your seat if you like. You're always welcome to come to the altar to even bring a friend and to pray here and say, Lord, I, I need your help today. Today I want to challenge you to think about people in your life that have special needs, all right? Maybe you know someone with some mental health problems. Maybe you know someone who has autism or who has a blindness or deaf. Maybe somebody who's dealing with some sickness in their old age that you want to encourage them today. But we need to make sure that we treat every person as a person. And the Lord is speaking to us today. And I hope that you have someone on your heart. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom how to serve those people he has placed in your path. Uh, Just a quick reminder today as well, when we're done praying after our announcements today, the preacher will be hanging around in the family room. If anybody wants to talk about any of these things that we've talked about today, we'll be glad to sit and and, and have some, you can have questions and encouragement together today. Let's take just a little time to pray together this morning and ask God to help you love every person that he placed in your life.